Good morning, church. Welcome. If this is your first time joining us here, uh, we're excited that you're here with us. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Mike McAvoy, and I'm the director of University Ministries here at UPC, working with our college students. Well, hey, a lot has changed in my life since the last time I preached here on, on a Sunday uh, in September. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to the newest member of the McAvoy family. This is Jordan Ray McAvoy, born December 31st, 2020. Uh, I know 2020 was a crazy year for a lot of us, uh, but for us and our family, it brought us Jordan as well as her older sister, Kyrie. So a year where we added two to our, uh, to our family. Here's a photo of uh, both of them, as well as my beautiful wife, Rachel. Uh, when it snowed a couple weeks ago, of course, we had to go out in the snow and get a photo. Uh, this photo took about 45 minutes to get ready for, and uh, this was the best one. We couldn't get both the kids smiling. We got one crying, one uninterested. I guess that's kind of the life of, of two kids under, under one year old, but still had to get a photo in the snow like all, all Seattle people. Well, hey, it was great being on paternity leave in January, uh, and it's great being back here as well. I'm honored to be able to, to speak today what I think God has for us here, uh, and I'm honored to be able to do that on the last Sunday, in fact, the last day of, of Black History Month. Um, and it just makes me super grateful for all those that have put so much energy uh, and effort into helping educate us on how black history is our history and, and helping teach some of the things that, that so many of us um, didn't know about the black history of our country. And, and so thank you. I'm also excited to continue on our series today, a series that George started last week uh, called Unfollow. And if you didn't get a chance to, to listen or see that uh, message, I encourage you to go back and watch it. George gives a great overview for this series and the ways that we can be following some things that are actually taking us away from where Jesus may want to take us. He mentions things, uh, three things specifically, the world, the flesh, and the devil that all have a way of, of taking us somewhere uh, that we may not really want to go, and certainly not the way that Jesus uh, wants to take us, and how sometimes we have to unfollow those things in order to follow Jesus to the life that he offers. Well, we're not going to cover everything today, but what I hope to do uh, with our time is to, is to dive deep today into this idea of, of following the world. Okay, what it, what's a way that we can follow the world and how when we do, sometimes we can wake up one day and just realize we're following the world without even thinking about it. It's just become ingrained in us. And so my hope today is to help us see that and then maybe take some steps toward unfollowing those things and, and starting to follow where Jesus wants to take us. So that's where we're going today. You with me? All right, let's jump in. Now, when you talk to college students about this word unfollow, the first thing that comes to mind is social media, okay? And the things that we follow, the accounts we follow on Facebook or Instagram, it makes me think a lot about the accounts that I follow and why I follow them. <clears throat> to be honest, in this new year, I started following some different workout accounts. I thought, I'm going to get in great shape and I'll follow these people who post themselves doing these great workouts and then they teach you how to do the workouts and then it'll help me work out a bunch. And I'll just get in fantastic shape. Well, after a little while, 
I noticed that it was not helping me the way that I had wanted it to. In fact, I, every time I would see some of these videos, I would think, oh my goodness, these people are in way better shape than I am. I can't even do some of these workouts they're doing. And, and so it was actually unmotivating to me. And I, it kind of made me feel shameful about myself uh, that I would, could never be uh, in as good a shape of these people and started to mess with my own feeling of self-worth. And that wasn't where I wanted to go. It was taking me somewhere that wasn't my original intention. And so I actually had to, I had to click unfollow to some accounts. I had to make the choice to no longer follow some of the things that were taking me somewhere that I didn't want to go. There are some accounts that I do love and some of the things that I find to be healthy and fun for me are all <laughs> accounts that I follow that are about geography. Okay, one thing you may not know about me is I love the world. I love understanding things about the earth, about nature, about waterfalls and rivers and mountains and, and even things like buildings and, and seeing the pyramids and the way that certain things look around the world, the unique terrain that has been created and, and also some of the things that humans have created in the world. I love understanding cities and, and countries and location of where things are. And so a, a few of the accounts I follow just show really good photos from places all over the world. I think the world is a really cool place. It actually really makes me think a lot when we jump into our text today, the scripture in, in 1 John 2 um, that, that we're preaching out of today, where, where he talks about this idea that we should not love the world or the things of the world or the love of the Father is not in us. And it's a little bit confusing to me when I read this. And in fact, when I read it, the first thought I have is, uh, how are we, like, why are we supposed to not love the world? What is he talking about with the world? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems a little extreme. We can't love anything in the world. In fact, it seems a little contradictory to where it goes two chapters later in 1 John 4, okay, when he says that we should be people filled with love or the love of the Father is not in us. Now look at these two verses, just two chapters apart, and it seems kind of contradictory to me. So I've been thinking a lot about what does it mean? What does it mean here that we're not supposed to love the world or the things of the world? Is it that we're not supposed to love the created world, the earth itself? Well, what has the earth done wrong? That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Is it that we're supposed to love the natural world, but not humanity, not people? Well, that also doesn't make a lot of sense to me because Jesus also says that God so loved the world that he gave his life. He gave his son's life to die for the world because he loved us so much. Are we not supposed to follow his lead and also love the people of this world? Is it that we're supposed to love the natural world and humanity, but we're not supposed to love the material world? That also doesn't seem doable to me. I mean, I know that, that, that Jesus says we can't live on bread alone, but we still need bread in order to survive. And we still need the structures of society that provide the opportunity for us to grow crops and to bake the bread and to dis distribute it around the world. See, when we look at this text, if we just take it at face value... It's easy for us to fall into a mindset of dualism where we start to believe that God is good, but the things of this world that he created are evil. 
And I don't think that's where John is taking us in this text today. In fact, a better way of, of looking at it is as N.T. Wright says in his commentary about this text when he says, it's important to understand that the things of this world, the things that God created, can easily become idols for us okay, when we make more out of them than what they were intended for. Okay, that's the idea I want to spend our time breaking down today. And I want to use a little bit of a visual behind me on this board to help us to understand this better. Okay, when I was in college, Mike Gaffney, who was the former director of university ministries, really helped me understand this idea of a relationship with God. And I think it's so important. Side note here. I think it's so important that we have people in our life that we are following as they followed Jesus. Both Mike and, and Ryan Church, the former human director before me, have, have been people I've had the, uh, the joy and the blessing of being able to follow as they followed Jesus. We should have people in our life like that. We don't need to unfollow those type of people. Um, okay, so let's go back. Let's go to the beginning of the Bible, okay, to understand the creation narrative here and, uh, and, and, and see a little bit about what it may tell us about this, what this relationship should look like with God and the world. Okay, so if we go to the beginning of Genesis, it says that in the beginning was God, okay, and God existed, and then God created the world, okay, and he created everything in the world. He created the air and day and, and night and the stars, and, and he created water and land and animals, and then after he created all of this stuff, he created humanity, okay, he created Adam and Eve, he created humans in his image, Okay, for the role of this visual today, uh, I, I will play the role in this visual of humanity. Okay, out of these things, God, the world, and humanity, I feel most naturally suited to play this role. I feel born for it. That was a little bit of a joke there. That was, you were supposed to laugh at that. That's okay if you didn't. It was a dad joke. I'm a dad now, so this is what we do. We make dad jokes. All right. Anyways, you have God, God creates the world, God creates humanity, okay? And then he creates us with a design for this relationship that we should have with God, that we would turn to him and that we would find our life in him. We would find worth and value. We would get our purpose from this life in him, okay? And then we would turn and we would, we would he said, you will rule over, okay, the things of this world. You will subdue the earth, Okay, and rule over. Another way of saying that is you will steward well the things of this earth, those things that, that God has created. Okay, so we would then turn to God, find life, turn and steward these things of the world. Okay, things like nature. He created nature. It's beautiful and we get to steward this created world that he gave us. Work is something that he gave us. He gave us something to do. He said, name the animals, tend to the garden. Work is good. It's part of the design for our lives. And it's something that we get to steward well in our life. Okay, other things, relationships he created. He said, steward your relationships well with other people. Sex is something that God created. And he said, I've created this for good. You're supposed to fill the earth, multiply. Okay, this is something I've created with intention for you to enjoy in your life. What else? He says, uh, I've created uh, resources. I've created money. You know, not necessarily paper money, the way we might think about it, but created these resources. And when you have resources in your life, you're supposed to steward them well. Pleasure. He created us to, to enjoy life and enjoy the world around us. 
Okay, these are all good things that God created for us to steward. And then there was this design, and this is how we lived in the beginning. Find our worth from God, turn and steward the things of this world. And that's the way it was working until Genesis 3. Okay, when the, when the, uh, when the devil tricks humans into eating okay, from the tree, he says, eat this fruit and your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You'll know what he knows. You'll see what he sees. And so when we ate from that tree, what we did is we said, wait a minute, I'm going to change the dynamics of this relationship. I will just be like God. We will turn our back on God and eating from the tree. We severed this relationship with God. Okay. This is now broken. We turn our back on God and we said, we don't need to get our life from God. We will just rule. We'll become God and we'll rule over these things of the world. So we turn our back on God. This relationship is broken with the intention of ruling over these things. But a crazy thing happened in the garden that day. Instead of us ruling over these things, they became the things that ruled over us. Instead of them worshiping us, we started worshiping them. They became the things that, that we looked to for our source of life for our purpose, for our worth. So instead of stewarding these things well, we've decided to make a huge deal out of them. More than just a big deal, we've decided them to be our source of life. We look at things like work and, and we let work define us. And if we're good at our job and, and we make a lot of money, we make a lot of resources, then we feel like I'm a valuable person. I have worth in this world. If we have good relationships with people and, and people like us, we're like, yes, I am a valuable person. Sex, how many of us have gone to sex and believe that, that this is going to be the thing that fills me and we start to worship that. We see that so much in our world or pleasure that, that so many people have just decided, you know what, I'm not gonna follow Jesus. I'm just going to do whatever feels good all the time. Whatever's easiest, whatever feels the best. It's because we've made pleasure our God. Instead of turning to God, getting our life from him, and then turning and stewarding these things of the world, we've turned to these things of the world, and then we just reach back for God, saying, help me get these things. They've become idols for us. They've become our idols. We're asking them to do something that they were never intended to do. And it's so easy to get on this road. It can happen before we even know it. Most of us don't even realize we're doing this because it's ingrained in us from, from being children. I want to share from a little book, uh, a story that somebody gave us for Valentine's Day for our kids. And it's a very innocent story. There's nothing wrong with this, with this story or this author, but I want you to pay attention to, to the subtleties of what it's teaching us. Okay, it's a book called Happy Valentine's Day Mouse, right? It's a great, innocent book. I'm not here to say that this book is, is not great, but I just want to walk through it a little bit and tell you the message that we start to pick up, even as children. It says, Mouse is making valentines for his friends. He wants each one to be just right. Ah, good mouse. It says, he loves pig because she's a good dancer. It says, Mouse loves moose because he's such a good artist. Now it goes on and on, five or six more pages of different friends that Mouse has and the reason why he loves them. And I want to stay on this picture for a little bit because I want to break down what the message is that we're starting to internalize when we read that it says Mouse loves Moose because he's such a good artist. 
as we read this and, and we're a kid, we start to believe that we have things like being a good artist that make us a lovable person. You can take that down now. That's great. Thank you. Um, and, and those are the things that make us lovable. We have to find the things. Sometimes that's being a happy person, a happy kid. Everyone's telling us, oh, you're so great. You smile all the time. And we start to find our identity. And I guess I need to be the happy kid. Well, what happens when I don't feel that anymore? Do I still have to be that? Right? And we get into elementary school, middle school. We start to, 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 to find things that we might be good at. Right? We might be a good soccer player or good at math or, or good at playing the guitar. And everybody talks to us about that and they compliment us on that. And we think, am I loved because of that? Am I loved because I'm such a good artist? This is the thing that, that makes me a, a worthwhile human being. This is my story. I got into college here at the University of Washington and I was playing football here uh, in the early 2000s. It's been a few years now. Uh, and I loved football. I came into college. I was really excited to be on the team here uh, at University of Washington. And, and I didn't play in games for the first couple of years. Okay, I got here and I realized these guys are so good. They're so much better than me. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. After a couple of years, I was like, this is taking up all my time. I physically, I'm just getting beaten up in practice all the time. And I'm never going to play in games. Should I still play? Should I continue on with this sport? And there was part of me that wanted to quit playing and, and do something different with my time. I thought I could do some things that might be more fun or valuable with my time. But I, but I didn't quit. And I, I'd love to say it was for some great reason, but... A lot of it was because I thought, who am I without football? What will people know me for? What will people talk to me about? This is all people like talk to me about when I'm in college, my family, my friends, guys in my fraternity. Like this is the thing that makes me a person that's worthy of other people's love. This is the thing that my identity is in. It's the thing I'm pulling my value from. Can we not see the way that this is happening to us and, and, and in our society? We're trying to pull from these things. They've become our gods. Okay, let's look at some other things, some real ways. And, and, and let's be honest with ourselves about our tendency to worship some of these things rather than worshiping God. Things like the way people think about me, what people think about me, not the way, but what people think about me. Some of us, this is our God. I just need everybody to like me. If I do, then I will be okay. What else? My job title. If I just have a really good job title, right? If I'm seen as important by people because of my job title, then I'll be okay. My grades. If I just get really good grades, then I'll be okay. Then my parents will be proud of me. That's another one. If my parents are proud of me, how many of our, our kids are growing up and going, if my parents are proud of me, that is what is giving me worth. And if it's because of my grades, then that has to stay up. It's causing anxiety in our culture. It's causing a lot of us to, to define ourselves by our performance and how we're doing, by our accomplishments, by the activities that we're involved in. These are the things that we're letting tell us who we are. We're constantly trying to pull something from them that they were never intended to do. Okay, it doesn't take a genius to realize that this isn't working. It's leaving us empty and unfulfilled. We've been following the things that we thought were going to give us life and it isn't leading us anywhere. John goes on in, in this text today to talk about three specific things that aren't from God, but are from the world. He says the cravings of sinful humans, the lust of our eyes, and the boasting in what we have and do, that they don't come from God. 
They come from the world. What do these things have in common? What does the world do? The world gives us things that have an appetite that is never satisfied. That's what these things have in common. If we think about the lust, the desire of the eyes, lust is always needing more. It's never satisfied. Boasting is always needing more. Try boasting about yourself and and to, to, to fill yourself up. And even if it does temporarily, we still need to go get more the next day. It's like drinking salt water when we're thirsty. We're never left satisfied. John goes on in verse 17 here to tell us that not only do these things desire more, but, but they're temporary. Verse 17 tells us that the earth will pass away. It's temporary. See these idols, things that are idols in our life are, are always temporary. Even if we get them, okay? Even if we get the great job, even if we get those really good grades, when we get there, because that was the thing that we were letting tell us if we were good enough, we get it, we get there and we go, how come this isn't doing for me what I thought I was going to do? Might be satisfying for a moment, but it's temporary. It's passing away. The world is making promises to us that will be filled up by these things. Promises that aren't taking us anywhere. The good news here, friends, is that we don't have to keep going. We don't have to keep going on this path we're on. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, okay, what he did is he he did something brand new. He created a way that even though we turned our back on God and and had a broken relationship, Jesus, his, his death and the grace that is found through Jesus Christ, created a way for us to turn around and be in right relationship with God. Something that only the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us the power to do. We can actually turn back to God and find our life and our worth and our value in him the way that it was intended because of Jesus and his love and grace in our life. We can we can understand, we can have a right relationship with both these things. We can turn to God and, and find our worth and value. And we can understand how to steward the things of this world. See, these things over here, the things of the world, they're, they're not evil things. They aren't inherently bad things. We don't need to, to run and, and not have anything to do with any of these things. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, but you can only have one master. He says, you can't serve God and money. You cannot follow God and the world. You have to choose which one you're going to follow. Do we want to keep trying to follow the things of this world and pull life from them like they were intended to do? Or do we want to allow Jesus to be the source of life for us? Be our value, our identity. Whatever we follow is going to take us somewhere. My prayer for us is that we would realize that following the world and the promises the world makes to tell us who we are is a dead end. 
It's not taking us where we want to go. My prayer is that we would choose to unfollow. And we may have the courage to take some action to unfollow some of these things so that we can follow Jesus where he takes us, to himself, to the Father, and to life abundant. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you that you offer life. God, life not found anywhere else. God, a life that can do something for us that nothing else can do. Eternal life, real life. God, a life found in you. God, I know that the things of this world, the quick fixes, the things that promise to just make us feel better right now are so tempting for us. God, I admit how many times I run to those things that I think they're gonna do something new for me today. Oh, Lord, would you help us out? Help us out, God, to, to, to realize the way that we do this. God, to turn from these things and to start following you into the incredible life that you have for us, Lord. We love you so much, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.